Hello and welcome to the Non-Pro Show, where we bring internet arguments into a convenient audio form. I am your host, Al. I am joined once again by Frank, James, and Kit. Hello. Hey. It's nice to be back. And we are here to talk to you about things that we are so late to the party on. That's something non-pro is actually pretty famous for, is finally getting around to something that were, you know, cultural icons or cornerstones of, you know, media. Uh, Because see, I I was saying before we got in here, I wish I had a little bit more time because one of the things that's on my list is Breaking Bad. So I am very late to that party. And that seems like a fun one to be late to the party on. I still haven't joined that party either, actually. I have not. My mother just got done watching Breaking Bad. I haven't watched it at all. Katie and I have also never seen Breaking Bad. (laughs) And it's like one of those things that we're like, obviously we should have watched this because it's like it's kind of like the definition of early peak tv in this sort of like new way of you know like you know dark anti-hero sort of storytelling which is it no was, longer it was new. the big seller for netflix for a while right well so amc it was an amc show and then so frank you also haven't seen breaking bad because if you have this i, I was about this. to i was about to say we're this is not going to be a breaking bad episode we're talking a lot about breaking bad and it it is not coming <laughs> up uh no i have also not seen breaking bad i uh kind of want to see it as well so god we just this is just a live production meeting now we're not even none of this is none of this is gonna happen yeah no i, I caught up with other like things I said, non-pro we are famously late to the party on so many cultural cornerstones but yeah. but that that is a show that is enough to be its own episode so maybe oh, one yeah, day definitely. we'll get around to doing late to the party breaking bad with non-pro like we did with gravity falls and evangelion right. but um, to be clear this is not that. Down the road, I'm and sure. if you've been li- if you've been listening for the last <laughs> no, three <yeah>. minutes, <laughs> it's not going to change. Uh, yeah, but there are other things we we definitely need to be caught up on, and we're going to cover that. Oh. So I'll start us off with what I watched that I am so late to the party on that I should have clearly watched like decades ago, um, and it is uh, Keanu Reeves' classic Speed. I'm, I I'm so happy. Never got around to watching it. this movie until like a few weeks ago. That is uh, very surprising. Uh, I'm like, I'm curious. Have you guys I, watched or seen this movie? Or am I the only one that's come to watch this Keanu Reeves action classic? Like before there was Matrix, there was Keanu Reeves uh, with his love interest on a bus in Speed. See, the thing is, I I admittedly have not watched it myself, but I have friends that have been talking about it nonstop. So I've been saving it for my like post cyberpunk. Like I want to watch this film because I know everything that happens. But it's just like one of those beautiful things <laughs> that I haven't gotten to yet. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm hearing. How did James? You've seen Speed, right? Yeah, yeah. Speed's a, a classic, man. I feel like I've seen Speed ages I, ago. Um, I swear to you, if all three of you hadn't seen Speed, I would have rage quit this <laughs> podcast. That is very odd. So why why did you sit on it for so long? What were you do? When did Speed come out? 99? What was it? When? 1994. 94. Okay. Yeah. How 94. old were you in 94? I've been in that. Like I was a kid, but I still would have been in that like age range. So I would have definitely been in the age range to see this uh, like <laughs> in theaters or at home with the parents watching those classic action movies. Like I watched like those Arnold movies, like what was it Cobra but and all those other ones that he was in. Yeah, like, went around. They're way guns. more obscure. Yeah. This was a hit and it's movie. Not like, 
I can make the argument, though, I was a year old when it came out. So I think it's fair that I didn't. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I, I, um, James? Yeah. So I, th- I think my thing is, like, it's not like Speed is a movie that, like, doesn't get a lot of play. You know what I mean? I feel like I remember watching Speed, like, it was just on TV, you know, like, a lot. Like, it was a, a common movie. Fox had the license for a while. They'd play it, like, on, you know, Fox on Saturday or on Sunday during their movie block. I'm surprised, like, you never caught it on TV or anything like that. Yeah, I think my real question is, what did you think? Um, before I say that, like the commercials, like the trailers on Fox to watch speed periodically that showed up are definitely ingrained in my mind as something <laughs> I remember vividly from childhood, just not the movie itself. So wow. like, I remember those, but like, I never actually watched the film, but what I thought of it, it was amazing. It was so good. Like way better than I ever would have thought to give it credit for. Cause I just assume there's a bomb on a bus. And like, you've seen that joke <laughs> so many times, like everybody from yeah. like family guy to the Simpsons have made reference or jokes at its expense. And it's just like, I expect it to be kind of a, all right, whatever. It's going to be like an Arnie or like a diehard kind of knockoff movie. It, it's decidedly its own thing. And it is named Speed for a reason as it starts and does not let up until the credits roll. Like something is always (laughs) happening. I need to interrupt here and say that I can I have an out of body experience and I'm now somebody listening to this podcast and is just like (laughs) outraged that you're like Speed lives up to its name. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a good movie. It is a well-known good action movie. This is this is just oh, this is weird. This is embarrassingly weird. Uh, but that's why we're late to the party. Yeah. <laughs> this Keanu Reeves fella, he's got some chutzpah. Sandra Bullock, I'd like to see her in things. I mean, yeah, Sandra Bullock is really great in this movie, but like, hats off to Dennis Hopper, who is so good. Like. The, the people talk about this movie in a lot of ways and a lot of the cool action beats and, you know, Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves, but Dennis Hopper puts in the performance of a lifetime, man. Oh yeah. As the bad guy, he's just so wonderfully maniacal and just like, God, like really 110%. Like, like he's usually good in anything, like even in water world to an extent, like you can watch that movie and be like, Oh, Dennis Hopper, he's in it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Speed. But just so good. And just as like putting our hero in bad situation after bad situation. Oh, it's just goddamn. He's really, he really sells the like, no, no, no. I deserve this money. When Count was like, you're insane. Listen, no, 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 no. Poor people are insane. I'm rich. I'm just eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> like that. That's a great line though. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome movie. I, I don't, I'm, is there a particular reason why you finally dusted it off and watched it? It was on HBO Max, and I never watched like I never watched it before. And I was like going around looking at what uh, movies were available on HBO Max. I just bought it, and mainly because I wanted to watch King Kong versus Godzilla. But like, <laughs> what else can I use my HBO Max subscription you for? Like, oh, speed! So many weird yeah. choices. So many yeah. weird choices. <laughs> and, I, and I will say, as soon as I was done with it, I was like, man, that was a really good movie. I got to watch the sequel. <laughs> no. All right. Um, then it's and speed. It was, 
on a boat. <laughs> it was on a boat. Uh, it was decidedly not uh, the first movie. Uh, Sandra Bullock was in it. Keanu Reeves decidedly was not. Um, and honestly, I don't think it would have saved the movie if he was. It would have made a few plot beats make a little bit more sense. Uh, Willem Dafoe was in it, and he's amazing. I mean, that was kind of a saving grace for the film. But it's a very weird film that didn't do what the first film did, which was like, no, we hit the ground running, we don't stop. It was a, It's a very slow movie, which for a movie title speed is very strange. Yeah. And it's an okay, decent knockoff action movie for a really good long time until they hit the boat crashing into the harbor scene. And every single joke or bit that you can get out of that situation, they do. Is there a dog that's running away from the boat? Yes. Is there a guy who parks his car in front of the boat? Yes. Is there a kid that notices the boat coming for his house? Yes. Do they hit the bell on the top of the church when they finally stop? Yes. And all of these scenes are telegraphed with three scenes leading up to them. And it's a very long, like 10 minute boat crash scene. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah, I love I love when like first of all th this movie by default the, is later in the day than Speed, but I love when old timey movies like have to set up something really hard for people to know it's coming. And uh, apparently, Speed Two is is one of those movies. That's great. Um, I'm very happy that you have finally joined the rest of the world in in watching <laughs> the Speed franchise and being fifty percent enjoyed by it. Yep. <laughs> I mean, again, like it's it's a it's a benchmark for Keanu Reeves' career for a reason, and mm. like it's it is a absolutely fantastic action thriller. And I'm so sorry I haven't joined on it until just now. <laughs> uh, all right, good. So uh, I I'm curious now about how, who what other people are late to the party with because I I honestly thought there'd be more Tiger King unless. You know, this famous movie, E.T., the extraterrestrial, never seen it. Um, oh, James has something to say. Yeah. Well, so if you're going to go on famous movie, uh, so I recently, uh, I'm going to say it's a, a first time watch because like it's definitely something that like we were like forced to watch in like film class or something, but I never really paid attention to. Um but we watched, uh, in preparation for David Fincher's Mank, I watched Citizen Kane. Um, I swear. I was going to say, if uh, James has something ridiculous like Citizen Kane, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to quit you this got podcast. It. Come on. <laughs> Citizen, come on. What is... Uh, go on. No, I... You know, and I, I don't think we need to dwell on it. We can go uh, on to a, a funner pick from me. But I was actually kind of shocked at um, how modern the film feels, particularly in like its storytelling and its scripting. You know, that really surprised me. The, the characters don't feel old or out of place. They feel oddly, oddly like, you know, modern filmmaking, despite the film's age, um, which is really enjoyable. Like, I really a lot that I didn't appreciate, you know, when we were kind of like forced to watch it in film class. Um, yeah, it, it was really good. Also on HBO Max. So. All right. <laughs> this is just, this seems oddly like an HBO Max branded content episode of non-productive, but I'm here for it. <laughs> I think that streaming services have really given us the 
the reason to catch up on things we missed because before it was always waiting for it to come on TV or like going to the blockbuster to maybe rent a movie and like having to decide on it. And with like the newest of these streaming services, HBO max coming, becoming available, like suddenly we get to catch up on a lot of the classics. They might have a, 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 a hold on. And hence why I put the Maltese Falcon in my queue. Cause I'm going to watch the Maltese Falcon. Cause I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And I really want to, uh, but like, that's just the only reason I'm watching it is because it's on one of my streaming services. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. For what it's worth, uh, I don't think any of the films, because I just thought of another, I thought of a trilogy that I could probably talk about. Uh, I don't think any of the ones that I've watched are on HBO Max. (laughs) Yeah. But so Jennifer's Body, uh, it is, it's also kind of a partial rewatch in that I did initially see like a bit here and there of it uh, when it first came out, or not when it first came out, when I was uh, in early college a little bit after it was out, but I was in kind of a horror snob phase where I wasn't into like a modern day kind of campy horror movie because I thought it was supposed to be taking itself seriously. So I was like, whatever, I'm not going to bother with this. Uh, Having sat and watched it like last week, it is campy. It's cheesy. It's kind of homoerotic. Like it's got this maybe lesbian love affair. Uh, and it really just kind of nails weird, mystical kind of horror movie, good gore, great teenage characters who are just vapid and ridiculous. I mean, it, it gets a little bit of everything. I've heard such high praise of this movie. Uh, I think at the time there was, there was like this really weird Megan Fox backlash that happened, I don't know, sometime around Transformers, probably because of Michael Bay. Yeah, mostly uh, yeah. Transformers. So. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, regardless, there was a lot of weird people would, or maybe just Tall Poppy. She was so popular, people were just jerks to her. And there was a lot of backlash at the time this movie came out. But since then, I've heard so much high praise about it, specifically about exactly as you say, there's like this campy element to it. But then there's like a higher read you could do of the movie that's very like progressive and interesting. And I, I can't wait to see it, but I've, that's something I'm guilty of not uh, yeah. not having seen yet. Because I definitely, I don't want to spoil anything in that sense then, but Megan Fox is incredible in it because she does, she plays this, like, your standard, vapid, millennial, high school teenager, <laughs> uh, high school cheerleader, and she she nails it. She's got that kind of, like, she kind of has the slutty thing going for her and her best friend is like the bookworm with like the soft, gentle boyfriend and Jennifer's like out, like flirting with, you know, the local cop and the bartender, even though she's 18, she's getting free drinks. And her friend is like, you know, wearing a cami and like, oh, am I being too salacious? But she wants to impress her best friend. And then weird shit happens. Jennifer ends up in a weird situation and it's just kind of this, snowball effect of everything falling apart in a way where like it could be read as just like a kind of like a carry it could be real life but then there's the mystical element situation it's like a coming uh, of age story in a in a horror setting yeah but it's it's really i feel like a lot of the praise is worthwhile because it's one of those films where when it came out no one was ready for it to be as fun and silly as it was especially with the the blowback against Megan Fox. But nowadays it's I hope it becomes a camp classic and stays that way because it is just a joy to watch. Nice. 
Okay, I know you also liked uh, Nightmare on Elm Street last time we spoke about uh, odd, weird, surreal fiction. Uh, so yeah. you finally got a chance to see the remake. Right. So yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Freddy was always my favorite out of Freddy, Michael, and Jason. I've always been a Freddy guy. Uh, and that I had, I, again, I was be, pretending to be kind of like a horror snob uh, when it came out. So I like pushed back against it. I was like, nah, he's short. He's ugly. You know, they try to make you sympathize with Freddy, all this stuff that like I had heard, but I never sat and watched it. So having sat and finally watched the remake, I appreciate it way more now because when the the main characters, uh, they have Nancy and Quentin, they're like vaguely 12th grade, uh, like 11th grade, 12th grade, uh, which is the age I was when the movie came out. Uh, So immediately I was taken right back to like, I was that kind of guy. I was, I was Quentin in high school. Um, So they're very like, they're very likable teenage kids and I like the way that they went about uh, casting Freddy. I like the way that they portrayed Freddy because it was so different than uh, Robert Englund. Because they really kind of leaned into, were these kids right? Are they making things up? Are their parents making things up? Did this r- innocent guy get fucked over? And that's why he's coming back to kill these kids. So it, it was a really fresh take uh, while still having some of the key elements. A lot of really great visual cues back to the original, uh, but still enough to make it its own complete fresh thing. I was always concerned that like, since the performance was so different from what really made Nightmare on Elm Street to begin with, because you look at that franchise and it's very like Robert England's fr- uh, franchise. Um, yeah. So for him to have like someone else kind of come into that role, uh, it's, it's always very concerning uh, that like they'll either have to try and become or be what was there previously or Mm -hmm. they'll take in a direction that people just don't like because we'll just bring back you know the guy we like because that's what we're used to and it seems to work okay in this film yeah the big thing that differentiates them is uh so in the original classic west craven nightmare on elm streets they paint freddie completely as a child murderer and there's a little bit of like pedophilic stuff here and there you know but it's it's very as far as that goes they really just focus on the murder uh in this they very much dance around and play around straight up with the term pedophile they really lean into that as a concept and that in and of itself i think is what made it easier to see this as a different freddy because while a lot of the core things are the same leaning into that aspect and using the potential subtlety of that situation uh, in regards to the kids and their connection to him and the preschool, uh, I think was an excellent way to differentiate the two and really did make me enjoy the difference. Yeah. Because the original Freddie, like, like to a certain extent, he got so popular in those movies that like, he was what you went to see the movie for at a certain point. And to have it be like, no, no, he's a scumbag. We're not, dancing around that particular we're dancing a little bit closer on this issue than we were before so that he's not the guy you're rooting for anymore this isn't like you know watching freddie kill the dumb teenagers movie um yeah so like that's that's interesting no i agree i think that actually i would say that that's that might be one of the reasons why this movie didn't do as well or at least it didn't generate a million sequels because honestly like you've got a huge fan base 
like I'm not criticizing the the remake, but if you've got a, a huge, this is this is kind of haunts reboots. Is a lot of times people will reboot something and change something so fundamental to the movie that you're like, who is this for? Yeah. Uh, who who was so fascinated by this particular genre that or this movie or this franchise, but didn't get it? So I don't know. Painting uh, Freddy as a pedophile, I could I could see why people would be like, uh, nope, not interested. Freddy was somebody I kind of rooted for and thought was hilarious. I don't know if I want to see this person as a pure monster. Yeah. I mean, it could work. It can not work. I get it. But uh, I also get why it, 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 you're not seeing right. a sequel yeah. to that one. Because I definitely, again, when the movie came out, I was very much Camp Freddy. I was like, I don't want to see a movie where it's like trying to make you sympathize with like, maybe he wasn't a monster. Maybe he was, you know, and like, because the movie does lean a bit into that where the kids are wondering, hey, did he do this or did our parents fuck up? That's cool. Actually, you know what? So I when I saw the Evil Dead remake from around the same period, I'm a huge yeah. Evil Dead fan of the original trilogy. When I saw the Evil Dead re- remake, they reimagined it, made a much more horror or it hit a sort of horror comedy. Uh, but like I could appreciate it yeah. separately from the originals. So I, I think you might be going through. Like, I guess that's what you were going through as well. Uh, so it's interesting that Evil Dead are, is the next thing you yeah, went through. Yeah, because I, I haven't seen the Evil Dead remake yet uh, because I, I'm i a big Dead by Daylight fan. Uh, so And I've always been around Ash and pop culture. And I've seen like half of the Evil Dead 2 beforehand. But one day I was just having like a really rough day in the middle of quarantine. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to watch. I'm going to cram all three of them. Uh, only to find out that I had to watch one on Netflix, one on Hulu, and then one on Amazon Prime because they're all <laughs> divided out. <laughs> um, but it was single-handedly one of the best things I could have done because it's a little slow by modern standards. But the com- once the comedy kicks in and once uh, once Bruce Campbell really decides how he wants to take the character of Ash, they're, just, they're good. They're fantastic. There was also a ramp up of action in those movies that are just like really good because it starts off in that first one and the second one there's like there's finally some like actual ash kicking ass as opposed to him just getting beat up in the first one then he's like (laughs) proper hero in the third film so you're like watching his rise from being kind of a loser to being a genuine action hero but still a loser just a little bit (laughs) Uh, james (laughs) yeah james no i think it's um it's a super cool experience i also was someone who not during this but came to obviously the evil dead films much later on and um yeah i'm I'm just surprised at how fastly likable they are they're just really like once you fall into them they're really they're really worth it on my late to the party list is the tv series from a few years back on showtime i know i gotta get to yeah, I I got through the first season of it, and that was one. I was in a phase of I don't want to I don't want to rush things. I want to watch them like one episode at a time, and I couldn't stop with the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I didn't get a chance to watch all of the TV show though. I love it. I so here's the one thing where I feel the most old man uh, is when I talk to other people who are obviously in their genre. You know, same same basic enjoyment from 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 genre television as I do. But because they're even if it's a few years younger than me, they they're it's like a generational, huge generational gap. Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, these movies were like icons. You had to see them. This is things you would watch at sleepovers. You would watch this 
in the dark with like if you could on a on an old projector I used to have uh, like this was such a big iconic series for me um, and that's kind of the reason why you know Bruce Bruce is such oh, an yeah. icon for everyone yeah but like Bruce Campbell uh, and. I, it shocks me that people haven't seen it, but I guess that's just going to happen more and more over time, especially as more and more genre TV gets made. You're going to just run into people who are like, you're a geek exactly like me, but we have not seen anything like each other. <laughs> we have not watched the same materials at all. And it's kind of weird to me, but cool. And I think one one of the great things about Evil Dead that I understood like as I watched them and then I did a lot of like reading up on it is I feel like, because uh, you, you did have a film major, right? Yeah. Yeah, then I, I can definitely see how something like that would definitely be something to like, especially if you enjoy horror, if you enjoy that kind of stuff, like these movies would be fantastic for that because it kind of started off as kind of a college project and then it developed into more and then just became this fantastic cultural thing. So, oh yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a cabin in the woods horror story. It's it's the shaky cam, right? It's not just, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> just part, baked into into the way we tell stories these days. And it's a bunch of kids make going out in the woods, making a horror movie and uh, it's somehow blowing up. It's the, it's, the, it's, it's clerks, but with horror, it's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> and it works so well, like all of these really cool, interesting tricks that they did. Like it was that proof that like anybody can make a movie. It wasn't just like you mentioned clerks and clerks being like clerks didn't have to like rise on its dialogue. But this proves that, like, listen, we have all these cool effects that cost a dollar and a half that we were able to get off and we were able to do. And it looks legit. Like, it looks like a real person movie. And, <laughs> you know, it was proof anybody could do it. And, like, it's just really cool to see all of that, like, ingenuity on screen that they made pulling it off very well. Uh, I, re I highly recommend uh, Bruce Campbell's uh, autobiography, uh, If Chins Can Kill... Uh, confessions of a B movie star. Uh, it's really good. He talks. He does talk a lot about Evil Dead, of course, and about all the all the syrup they were coated uh, coated with while they were making those movies. How disgusting the weather was, and how it just baked out his skin. And all of this, for was some reason, reminds or me. Or after the TV show, this was before the TV show. Before the Got Evil it, Dead. Okay. Uh, oh, by the by the okay. time the Evil Dead TV show came around, I'm sure he had enough clout where he could limit the amount of like candied mucus that was beautiful <laughs> um, but the thing is would he yeah that's the big question for some reason this feels like a perfect transition to james even though he hasn't said anything but i feel like whatever movie else he is he has to offer us uh other than citizen kane <laughs> <laughs> so i um i did catch up on some cartoons um i went on a bit of a gendry taratovsky foray um so i had actually been holding out on the last season of samurai jack um uh you know my mother and i had watched samurai jack together the original four seasons uh which was a show that was very important to us but i finally got tired of waiting for my mother so i did watch the last season of samurai jack which i really enjoyed um it was cool obviously how it it kind of toned up right uh the uh final season being something they released for adult swim you know, right. aged with its audience being, you know, much more blood and gore and uh, the innuendos and the jokes and the language all aged up. Um, but while still keeping most of the sort of strong um, 
sensibilities the series had. On the negative, it kind of felt like a rush to finalize kind of the stuff that he didn't get to. Um, it was very dialogue heavy. It had a lot of, you know, it a lot of fast pacing and introduced another kind of like long-term character in Jack's, um, you know, the, the, the woman who kind of is sent to hunt Jack and then ends up becoming his friend. So I think that was, was satisfying, but not perfect. Um, and from there I transitioned into primal. I've been waiting on primal. Yeah. I mm, just noticed yeah. it on HBO max. Our sponsored <laughs> partner. <laughs> <on this podcast. laughs> um, but yeah. And I think primal really filled, uh, kind of almost filled the stuff I wanted from the aged up version of Samurai Jack. It's again, it's mostly silent. It uses that sort of very strong creative visual storytelling that he's known for. Um, but obviously with new and original characters that don't feel like hamstrung that they're trying to complete, you know, a story that they had, you know, like eight episodes to, to rush through. So yeah. Yeah. And I really recommend obviously finishing Samurai Jack was great, but I really recommend Primal. I think it's um, just fantastic. It's beautiful to watch. It's beautifully written. It's, um, you know, its episodes range from being terrifying to compassionate to beautiful to, awesome. you know, the whole nine yards. It's fantastic. Uh, James, do you also recommend to our listeners that they should not wait for your mother? <laughs> I do not recommend waiting for my mother to watch something. I'm sure we will revisit <laughs> the final uh, season of Samurai Jack together when we can, can you, gather again for long periods of time. You heard it here first, but... podcast listeners. Do not wait for James's mother <laughs> to get on that Breaking Bad rewatch. Um, <laughs> James, that's a good transition to my thing. So uh, I, there's a lot of things I've been trying to catch up on and failing at because this has been a crazy year for me, uh, for everyone really, but like it's just uh, surprisingly little time to watch television or movies. Yeah. Um, I, I guess yeah. I could talk briefly about getting caught up on the monster verse. I should say that. Right. Cause, cause I just the did, kind of a bookend. Uh, I like did the original monster. Verse? No, God, no. Oh God, no. But uh, no, the, me, uh, and, me and my boyfriend are in the middle of that right now. Actually, we, we started that months ago and we're still not finished. Yeah, no, this was just <laughs> yeah. the stuff leading up to uh, Godzilla versus Kong. It was fine. That's it. I, if you want to know more about that, you could go to our fan club at non-productive.com forward slash fan club. I think that'll work. It's on Facebook. It's a whatever. I don't think that's fair. I really like Kong Skull Island. I yeah, think no, it's I, a very enjoyable film. And I that's do, it. I agree. That's... I, I liked Kong Skull Island was a good one. But like, like I said, if you want to find out more about it, join our fan club. Please talk to us because we're sick of talking to each other. Um, but yeah, the thing I want to talk about, the way I said it was a good transition is what I really caught up with. And it took me years on this one. I sat on it literally a decade adventure time. I finally, wow. finished adventure time. so, uh, I started watching adventure time back in 2010 when it premiered and it was just this weird little, sh I remember the ads for it. It was what time is it? Adventure time. No explanation. Kid, a live action kid running down the streets dressed as Finn, who was a character you did not know. And, and I think he had a backpack or something that looked like uh, Jake. Uh, and he's just like yelling at people like Billy on the street. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, what is, this what is this show? 
And I've uh, never thought about it in that context, but you're incredibly true. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So I watched um, a lot of the first season, and these are you know adult, uh, not Adult Swim; these are Cartoon Network shows. So there's like 40 episodes in a season because they're so short. Uh, and I watched a lot of it. And I'm like, this is the best show I have ever seen. I love this. And I think I may have piecemealed a few episodes in other seasons here and there. I never watched it regularly in its normal time slot. I just watched most of it because you don't really get the impression that there's anything other than a rich, beautiful, awesome show with a cool, interesting background until somewhere around the time where like Ice King starts losing his mind and we get some of these um, background episodes of the history of Ooh. And I'm not going to spoil anything because none of this is about spoiling these very, very old product shows uh, and movies. But like there's a specific episode early on. I think it's season one, maybe two, where uh, Ice King is watching or, or Finn and Jake are watching VHS tapes that are Ice King's video diary. And that you could see in the background as he's making them as, you know, before he goes fully Ice King insane and magical powers, that this is the origin of how Ooh got to be Ooh. And I remember back in, I think, around 2010 or 2011, I was like, this thing should be watched in order. This is a story that someone is sneaking in there and I need to find out. And then it just blew up into such a huge thing with so many episodes. I never got around to watching it until this year. And I'm like, all right, it's over now. It, in fact, I think it's there's another spinoff of it that just recently... They're doing they're doing like a series of short movies on HBO yeah. Max. Yeah. Hey! On HBO Max. <laughs> yeah. of, we say go. HBO Max, take a drink of HBO Max water. <laughs> now with electrolytes. Uh, so yeah, I finally got down to watching it. And uh, from the beginning, just because I don't know which episodes I had seen, I had piecemealed it early on. And it is, it was so beautiful. The whole thing was wonderful. There were some, I think towards the middle, there was some of the most powerful episodes uh, of te television, maybe I've ever seen, but it, I think it ended strong as well. And I just really, really, really enjoyed it. Adventure time, I think is always Ad adventure time is a great example of, of, I don't know that, you know, and I don't want to like rag on people too much, but like that style of person who's like, oh, I'm just not into cartoons or, oh, that's not just for me. Oh, oh that stupid thing. you my kids watch. I'm like, there is good story everywhere. Like, do not close yourself off in a way where you could potentially miss it. And and I think yeah. Adventure Time is that like perfect example. Because if you just like glance at it, it's ridiculous. From the uh, yeah, the other side of the room every once in a while, it does. It seems absolutely ridiculous. But like, you know, I've been there. I have sat there crying like a baby at episodes of adventure time because the the writing is just so sharp the storytelling is just so good and yeah yeah i've i i have actually shown so i agree with you james i have actually shown this to a fair amount of people i uh uh over the years i've dated and it, there's a 50 50 markup on success so that's not quite true. Some people will watch this and be like, no, this is some <laughs> this is some cartoon crap. I don't like this. And other people are like, wow, this is amazing. I'm leaving you, Frank, but this is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and we, let's just say they've all made the correct decision in this. So we could all be happy with that. Uh, but no, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, 
and you could see the DNA of it in so many other things and so many other things, DNA is in it. So like I grew up watching Thundar the Barbarian. So for me, fantasy in a post-apocalyptic future is perfect. So watching this was just amazing. Yeah. It was just a, just a great world building, great characterization, great animation. When they started getting very experimental towards the end of the run, just overall a joy to watch. Something I'd probably rewatch again uh, after I get, I don't know, Steven Universe off my list. Because <laughs> I'm way behind on that, too. Got to knock that off my list, too. We are famously late to the party. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think we're all caught up with all media. I mean, that's great. Tonight, at the, at the time of this recording, uh, we're going to be watching the last episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, also on our fan club, which you could find on the internet. I'm sorry, I just wanted to plug the Falcon. Exactly. Falcon Winter Soldier is something I am technically late to the party in, in that I enjoyed WandaVision, I was enjoying the weekly episodes, and I w- a- after WandaVision was over, I was like, you know what, one week isn't enough, I'm going to give it like four weeks, and then I'll watch Falcon Winter Soldier. And ah. so I was doing one, uh, I was like, I'll do one a week, but I started like last Friday, and then I was like, then by Tuesday, I was like, okay, I'll watch another. <laughs> and then today I was like, I'll watch another. And <laughs> I got, I ended up watching uh, two. And then I've been sitting here after episode four and was like, mm, I should just finish it. I got to just finish just it. Get caught up. I know it's there. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. And like, I, uh, I, I'm, when streaming became a big thing, I was like, oh, episodic TV, who needs that? Uh, but now that we get a little bit of it back, I kind of enjoy it. I kind of have, I like being able to savor and pace things out and talk about it on our fan club. We have two sponsors on this yeah. podcast. It's HBO Max <laughs> and our fan club. <laughs> so so uh, HBO I'd Max to, and non-pro. Yeah. I'd love to throw out one more one more cartoon I uh, caught up on over the pandemic, if you guys are, are willing, in the same vein as kind of Adventure Time. Go ahead, James. Of course. Um so and it's it's a relatively newer series and it's unfortunate because it didn't have a super long life. Um, but it's something that uh, a lot of people probably missed. It was a series called Infinity Train. Um, yes. So this and, is the this should be the after show because we transitioned out so seamlessly. And because I'm halfway through Infinity Train, I love it. Oh, we got to do a show about Infinity Train. It's so good. I will totally do. Uh, a show with you about infinity train. So, so then let's, let's hold this conversation to another time, but yeah, highly recommend, um, you know, I'm really hoping that obviously a bunch of people will f- stumble onto this and this guy gets more work because more, more great storytelling. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, guy from the regular show, but also just before yes. we completely uh-huh. transition to make this commercial perfect is that, uh, my babysitter <laughs> came over and I was watching infinity trade at my, who's my, my niece. And she was watching it and going like, this sounds pretty good. I'm like, well, we're going to restart it. Season one. <laughs> I started it from season one and we got to season two, but I played myself because now I can't finish watching it because I'm stuck in, at the end of season two and I have to wait for her. Ugh. Frank, Anyways. don't you got to take the James advice. Don't wait for your mother. Uh, real quick to kind of tie back to the other sponsor uh third season began airing on hbo max so hbo max once again has you when you get to the third season they actually they just dropped the entire fourth season oh no 
this feels like the world's worst commercial like it's yep. so so obvious like guys we were like how many episodes are we advertising besides hbo max how many episodes are we advertising here with a future breaking bad episode our future infinity train episode our future falcon and the winter soldier episode guys stay tuned we're coming in with all of these soon well, not soon. <laughs> We're late to the party. It's not going to be soon. It's going to be in another yeah. three years. <laughs> yep. Speed. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't want to know what the other ones I was I was gonna I was gonna talk slow. about. Slow. <laughs> it should be slowed for you because it, it took you well, so long. Actually, I had a cliffhanger. Slow. Uh, as my other late to the party film, and uh, finally watching uh, Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. What? What? We, we bury the lead on this. this. Al, you <laughs> haven't seen Masters. Well, I guess this isn't like I haven't seen the 1984 Transformers movie, but still, this is close to Al sacri- sacrilege for me, huh? Yeah, I've I've never I had never watched the Masters of the Universe uh, film with Dolph Lundgren until like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when me and Nate sat down to watch it because we were just kind of like, we got to see this movie because we like, we it was, it was on Amazon Prime and we were just kind of like, let's chill out and watch uh, Masters of the Universe. And that movie is, I mean, it's a movie. <laughs> Nate must have been so <laughs> a- angry or overjoyed, right? I was, Which one? It, it was definitely a combination of the two for sure. <laughs> nice. As there was so much like, there's a lot of oddly great visual eye candy whenever you go to Eternia for like a hot minute, but it's only like two sets and they milk those like sets for it's all an, their worth. It wasn't a reboot, but it was another one of those things where you're like, who is this for? Yeah. <laughs> who was that for? And that was the big disappointing thing. When we walked away from the movie. There's no, there's not a time where he picks up the sword and goes, I have the power. No. It never happens. And it's no. like, how did they not know that was a big selling point? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a perfect Bellator. scene for him to do it too, as he rips the sword out of the machine thing, and we're like, "This is it. This is gonna be the scene," and it doesn't happen. Wow. <laughs> uh, and they go to Earth, and it's just like, God, why? Most boring place you could go, Earth. But for some yep. reason, but it's, uh, it's vegan. Vegan friends will appreciate this. Maybe uh, I still vividly remember the scene where they eat fried chicken for the first time and are horrified about what they're yep. doing. And I'm like, that yep. must be what vegans feel like all the time, which is such a stupid yardstick to judge real human beings by. But hey, if you're a pot, if you're a fan <laughs> of non-pro and you're a vegan, know that for the longest time, every time I've interacted with you, I've been picturing masters of the universe and like that must be what because there's a part where they're like what's these strange sticks that the meat is on or that the food is on and they're like those are bones <laughs> and they're all horrified teal is horrified he-man is horrified like oh wow they're all they're all vegetarians or vegans they don't they don't eat and i 30 it's, years later it's still in my head there's i have so nowhere weird. to transition <laughs> off of this folks you need to pull I out say, like yeah like, franklin giant langina like i hope i'm pronouncing that name correctly gives the performance of a lifetime in that movie and like he i've seen a few uh behind the scenes featurettes <laughs> about it where he talks about really being in love with that role and it being one of the favorite ones he's had yeah. and just kind of like uh like him being because and he's really upset about how he had a fight scene choreographed and like and at the time yeah. he was really in shape and he's like wait I don't get to take my shirt off and, and fight 
Like I was in shape. I want to. I want to remember a movie where, where I was where I had a six pack, guys. He has the delivery of a man who is certain they're going to fix it in post. He's just like, all right, oh my god, this is, they're gonna they're gonna make this. This makeup's a little weird, but they're gonna fix this in post, right? They have there's computer graphics now, right? Yep. Nope. Oh man, like absolutely 100%. That was the performance he gave. And it's a great performance. Like I will say when when the bad guys come to earth in that like huge giant entourage moment, like it's goofy but in at least the best way possible. I don't know, something about that that scene where Skeletor's on the throne and like you see people in their windows looking out at the street like what the heck? Like it's like really like I don't know. I think that's hysterical and awesome all at the same time. So it was that was a cool point in the movie for me. But like God, I wish they there's a couple like none of the show characters are in there and they kill off like the only interesting looking bad guy like very quickly he's like a lizard guy in a suit of armor and it's yeah, just like afford uh, to have the camera on him for too long it's scenes would show up oh man uh, if anybody who was listening to this podcast uh was playing some sort of bingo on what what shows we would bring up and what television and what movies you your card is clean there's no way you would have guessed anything <laughs> Any of the things you brought up. <laughs> Breaking Bad coming soon. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> whenever whenever any of us get around to it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to thank everybody for showing up and talking about all of the things that we've been late to the party on. And like, you know, we finally watched these like huge big cultural like films, either for good or for ill. And like it was a joy getting to talk to everybody about it. Of course, it, it was very fun hearing uh, what everybody brought to the table. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. Good night, everybody. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.